Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way podcasts grow. If you haven't yet given us a five-star rating and a positive review, please pause this recording and do that now. I am Kirk Haberman a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a priest. Chris, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Kirk. Why, thank Although you. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry <laughs> Christmas. And a very uh, happy Christmas. Kirk, do you want the good news or the bad news? Bad news. Bad news. It's going to be 20 below tomorrow when we go dock sledding. Uh, that means it's legitimately going to be 60 degrees colder where you are than me, but, which is crazy. Okay. So that's the bad news. That is, and that is bad news. That is below is like, that's chilly. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's going to be chilly at chili dogs, which is the name of the place we go dog sledding at up here in Ely, (laughs) Minnesota, where we are spending the week with, uh, our father. Um, the good news is that uh, when we booked this trip, uh, they only had four slots. So one of us was going to have to sit out. Um, but just today, somebody canceled. Imagine that. Who would cancel just because it's 20 below? That's crazy. Not a native Minnesotan, that's for sure. <laughs> Filthy out-of-towners. Can't yeah, so, handle it. Um, so it's, uh, Kirk, I don't know how well I'll handle it. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to rent some equipment from them because that that is just unbelievably cold like that's i hope there's no wind um because if there is it's like i will cover my whole face i mean you can get frostbite on exposed skin fairly quickly in 20 below that'd be yeah. worth a google right good good tech is vital uh in yeah. cold weather which you and, and i did not grow up with <laughs> we planned to go skiing uh this week on wednesday but wednesday was i think it was below zero and we're just like uh the kids have not gone skiing yet this year and uh, we don't want their first outing, um, even though I've been looking forward to this uh, ski trip, Kirk, um, at our childhood ski area of, of Giants Ridge. Uh, yeah. I haven't skied here in, in more than 20 years. And I was just like, man, this is going to bring me back. I can't wait to share this ski area with my kids. Um, but they haven't skied yet this year. And we don't want their first, uh, like their debut uh, time of skiing to be just miserable. Like, I feel like that would taint the whole season you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, we pushed that a day. Um, and so we did it yesterday and the weather, uh, was in the single digits. Maybe it got up to 10. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting being up here in the North. It's been a, a warm, uh, fall, but, uh, and even winter, but the, the cold finally hit. And anyway, it's great. Kirk, it was an amazing day of skiing giants Ridge. Uh, the, the, the hill itself, they've expanded, they've added a lift. Um, they've replaced, uh, their main lift with a high-speed quad, uh, which it's, it's funny to think, um, 
those old slow lifts that seem like oh, it took yeah. forever to get from the bottom to the top. Crick, I timed it yesterday. It was, it's five minutes. It's not that long. You're sitting there on the lift. Right. So I, I don't know how, how fast the quad is, but it's, it's fast. Like you get to bottom to the top like that. And um, we had a great day of skiing Kirk. Uh, and uh, the first half was dedicated to just getting the kids uh, to mix metaphors, getting, giving them their sea legs, you know? Yeah. I was trying to describe to dad uh, yesterday how the first couple runs uh, of the year always felt to me like I was skiing with like two left skis, or two <laughs> left feet, like, like whatever we want to say to say, like, it, it just always felt awkward the first run or two down. And then you kind of get, get your legs under you and, and, and feel good. And, and that's kind of um, how it was with the kids. They, they started on the bunny hill and took a few, few times down for Jordan to, to make it up to the big hill and took Isaac a few more. But uh, so we were dedicated to just getting them going. But then um, at the end of the day, I got probably nine runs uh, of my own just to uh, dad was like, I'm done. Uh, Meg was like, I'll just she's like, I'm done, too. Um, what time are we talking at this point? Three uh, thirty. <laughs> OK, All right. she had 65 and, and Meg, um, I mean, this is the first time. Uh, she was skiing on right. the equipment that, that, that we had purchased at the ski swap and the boots right. just weren't great. So she's just like, I'm done. No, no, um, I get that. I just, I, 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 I think in terms of like dollar signs and spreadsheets and I'm like, <laughs> I haven't yeah. yet begun to get my money back. We're here until, uh, okay. So go ahead, continue with your story. I'm sorry. I mean, with it being, I, I get that Kirk, <laughs> but with it being as cold as it was, right. um, we we're just What like, was the temperature? I would say around 10 degrees. Okay. That's right. It was that. snowing really pleasantly. Uh, but you know, 10 degrees, we skied a lot in 10 degrees. Like it, yeah. yes, that's very cold, colder than I'm used to skiing in. Um, but you know, the feeling of the cold on, on your exposed skin, on your like nose and cheeks. Yeah. 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 That, and then your toes and your fingers, like those, yep. those are the things that got cold. Did you guys Everybody have, fine. did you guys have hand warmers? Uh, we didn't. This um, is the great upgrade. We brought them. We, we did. We, we brought them. We didn't bust them out. We we never skied with that as children, Christopher. No, with the, like didn't. our crappy socks and our right, crappy right, gloves, right. and and I, I I tell you what, I feel bulletproof now. I shove them in the bottom of my boots. I shove one in each glove, and then one just for good measure in like a pocket. And and I shove them. I'm like, I push them. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a pusher. I push them on my children. Yeah, because I'm like, you are not spending an hour in the lodge right, right, because right, right. I was cold. Like, and that's the thing. Now I know what, what our parents were paying for lift tickets. Right. Um, you know, I was blissfully ignorant. You know, if you went in and you spent an hour in the lodge, like what a, what a waste. Right. So I'm totally like, get that. But for, for, <laughs> I totally get that. I, I would be there right with you. And thankfully we didn't have that, that anxiety. I didn't have that like frustration as a dad yesterday. Cause look, we just knew that anything that we got mm -hmm. would be gravy. It was cold. Um, like just circumstances, just, we're just like, you know, whatever we get is going to be great. So um, I got to say, I was living vicariously through your, your pictures and, and the, those couple of videos that you sent, because I had this week earmarked for a ski trip yeah. for us, but we have um, at, at our, at our best ski resort with that's not new, the state of New York, right? Or that's not like Vermont. <laughs> At our best ski, ski resort in Pennsylvania, um, Seven Springs, 
Um, it's been 45, 50 degrees in rain. Mm. Oh, like so heartbreaking. So that's going to have to wait. So I love well, getting in, in that Turk, from you. We got, we got um, season tickets for our um, hometown ski area. And, and uh, Kirk, I'll tell you this. Um, that gave us 50% off our lift tickets yesterday. Nice. Um, they're like sister skiers. So that, that was pretty great. Um, but uh, we haven't been able to, like our own home ski area, um, that has some natural advantages. Like it faces, the, the, the mountain faces north. So it doesn't get direct right. sunlight to melt stuff. So it's been super warm, but they've been able to make snow. It just opened yesterday. So we haven't been able to ski there yet. Anyway, I want to say one last thing about Giants Ridge um, before we move on. And, and that is just Kirk. Um, those last nine runs where I just was on my own going up and down, up and down. Yeah. Um, Kirk, uh, being at my home ski area, uh, I was transported to like my sophomore mm-hmm. year of just, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful ski area. It's, it's very scenic. It was snowing, uh, looking down at those two lakes at the bottom. Yes. Oh, and, and as, as it got dark and as the lights came on and, and that makes the scenery even kind of better as, as the snow on the lakes kind of glows, it was, it was gorgeous. And, brought back just a rush of of memories from my teenage years of of uh of happy times uh skiing at that at that uh ski mountain which is um it's 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 not huge but it's it's home that's lovely hey i've i've one last weird question for you before we pivot to christmas um did you did you notice anything about um i was affected last year by kind of ob- sociological observations about skiers and ski culture did you did you kind of notice anything about the type of people that are on the hill? No, I'm not going to poison the well by like. Tell me. No, nothing, nothing. I'm just struck by like um, how American it is. Like it's outdoorsy and can do and uncomplaining, and like by its very nature, the better the skiing, um, it's going to be more in the mountains, so it's going to be colder and windier. Um, you just have like positive can-do people, right? Sure. You, you can't be sure. grouchy about things and be a skier. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to like go immediately in, right? Um, and it just reminded me of all, everything that I like about America and Americans. Mm. Does that make sense at all? Like you have, yeah, like, why would that be largely, poisoning the well? <laughs> like you have largely um, active, outdoorsy, right. happy people, <laughs> And I was just, I, I was like, last year, I was like, these are my people. <laughs> sure. I like being outdoors. I like being active. I like being happy. I, I like being a part of this. This is great. Do you notice that? Like, it's definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and that is a subset of, of the people who live here in the city of Ely, mm-hmm. uh, where our, our dad lives, uh, where Ely is. But Ely is a little bit more split. Ely is just like culturally and sociologically um, split among several different groups. Yeah. But what, what unites them is just a love of the outdoors and just an undauntedness, Kirk. I mean, it's like the, that first day we were here when it was like five below, 10 below, depending on what time of day. I mean, we were looking forward to all the outdoor winter activities and like we went, I mean, we're doing them. It's yeah. just much shorter. Like we went sledding, <laughs> but like after a few minutes, Meg and I, we just went and sat in the car. Cause we were like, it's, it's just, it's just too cold. And the kids are, are completely un, unaffected. They, right. they don't notice it, you know, just like we didn't when we were kids. That's right. And, um, and they're like, well, we have to kind of like pull the plug. We're like, okay guys, we're, we're going to go home. Why? Well, we don't want you to get frostbite. Like, uh, but uh, Kirk driving around town, um, the locals, <laughs> they're out and about they're like walking around like walking their dogs they're taking walks like they are outside when it's 10 below 
It's it's yeah. wild. It is wild up here. Like they uh, talk about can do. Love it. Love it. Talk to me about uh, Christmas services. How were things for you guys? Good Christmas? Pretty good Christmas. Yeah. I mean, our church is at an interesting stage for that, like where we didn't do everything that we would do, just um, where we are are as a church. Um, I, I'm sure you have a lot more to say to me. Uh, tell me about your Christmas services. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, I had in a, let me do the math and make sure this is correct. Oh yeah. Within a 20 hour period, I had four services that I attended. Not all of them at our church. Um, we, we had, we had a lovely Christmas Eve service. Uh, it was, it was full. Um, we can talk a little bit later about kind of, um, our, our approach to public worship going forward, um, with, uh, with the coronavirus. Um, it was, it was great. I saw a lot of faces I haven't seen for a while. It was heartening. Um, uh, the choir sounded, sounded lovely and resplendent. Um, so all that was great. Then we went to, uh, after that, we went to across town to the in-laws church. It's the big Methodist church, uh, in Cranberry township, big suburban Methodist church in Pittsburgh. And, uh, it's where Kim and I were married. It was her, her home church. And it's just interesting, you know, um, suburban evangelicalism is, uh, is it's, its own, its own entire world. Um, and then I went to one of my, we, since the, the pandemic and some other things have killed our midnight mass, our, uh, our 1030 service. So I went to, uh, a local 10, a local 11, actually 11 o'clock service. Um, and, and Bryden, my oldest son is my faithful for my faithful uh, attender for these late vigils, uh, these Easter, Easter vigils and, and midnight masses at Christmas Eve. And uh, we showed up uh, like five minutes to 11 and we were given an insert in the bulletin and it said um, in lieu of, instead of a, 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 instead of an organ prelude before the service, we're going to have a carol sing. <laughs> so we sang carols for 35 minutes. We didn't get the liturgy <laughs> for, uh, for, the Christmas Eve Holy Communion service going until I think 1140. So like, this was like legitimately, we weren't out of there until after, you know, until 115, 130 PM. So midnight mass is a word that's sometimes thrown around for like 10 o'clock services or 1030 services. We really did it. Uh, and it was, it was very tender. Um, Bryden was sort of, he's in eighth grade now. And so he's starting to own his faith. You know, he's not, he's not like screwing around writing stuff on the bulletin or making paper airplanes or whatever. Like he, he's starting to track with sermons and wants to, and realizes like the, the point is to be engaged in heart and mind and body um, in the liturgy. And that, that is, that is really rewarding for me to watch. He was suddenly I'd see his head. I'd feel his head on my shoulder and he was like dozing off. And then another carol would start or we'd stand for the creed or kneel for a prayer or whatever. And, and he would come to, and he'd, he'd sing, kind of blink and sing. And um, this church, uh, this was just the right thing. Um, uh, it, this is a, one of the oldest churches in Beaver County. It's on the, on the registry of historic buildings. This is Christ Church, New Brighton. I, I don't know if, have you been there, Christopher? Um, I have not. Uh, it has Tiffany windows. Uh, the organ was just restored. 
Um, it's this lovely storybook. It's like a Jane Austen church. It's remarkable. And, uh, and the rector there is a guy I knew when I was in college at St. Peter's in Butler. And he's, he's gotten older and, and um, he had a stroke recently. And so he's not, not, he's, he's a different person and he moves slower. So everything was kind of a little slower. Um, but, but he's, uh, the building was smoked up. Uh, I mean, just, we came home and we could still smell the myrrh um, on our suit jackets. And uh, there were greens everywhere, garlands running everywhere. And, and um, Brian and I just looked at each other. We were like, holy cow, we just had a Charles Dickens Christmas, didn't we? <laughs> so it was just remarkable. And, um, and we, are, we are starting a new tradition. We're going we're gonna to plow on ahead. And we'll see how it goes with Christmas Day services. Um, I think like many parishes, at some point in the last 50 years, kind of gave up on Christmas Day services. And, uh, and we didn't have a lot of people there, but I was there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and my children were there after, after getting home at, at 2 a.m. the night before. Uh, so it was just this wonderful, joyful, sleep-deprived mm. um, kaleidoscope of, of carols and candles and stained glass, and um, it was just lovely. And 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 then and then waking up way too early because you know Daphne wanted to open presents at six forty eight a.m. and that was lovely too. And then scrambling to you know guzzling coffee and getting in the car and going back back to church. And that was Christmas Day was Saturday. And then of course the first Sunday of Christmas was was on Sunday. And so um, I I don't know how my brain will file away this Christmas kind of in the long-term memory. Um, but, but, but right now, like Mary, that great line and Mary treasured all these things in mm. her heart. Um, I had a lot to kind of sift through and treasure and file away a lot of, a lot of memories. So it was, it was happy. I didn't want to run by you. Um, Christopher uh, had an observation in contrast with um, kind of the, the very, the very Anglo-Catholic midnight mass of the, the, the nearby parish that we, that, that Bryden and I went to, in contrast with the, with the large um, kind of evangelical Methodist um, 7 p.m. service, I noticed something. Maybe I can bounce this off of you. I, I know I, I put something cryptic in the notes, but, I, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bounce it off you, okay? Okay, um, bounce away. Christmas, Christmas Eve in particular um, is to me evidence that um, we have... Um, we have cultic instincts and we have a, a, a need for an, an itch, a need, a natural need, I think, for cultic worship. And by cultic, I don't mean like <laughs> Arians or the Mormons or, or Jehovah's Witnesses or, 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 or um, pertaining to cults. But, I don't but, mean pertaining to cults. Right. But the, I think the temple rituals. The rituals, the temple yeah. rituals. That's right. Pertaining to that, yeah. Yeah. So kind of in, in American evangelicalism, which is, I think, largely bathed in Baptist intuitions about mm -hmm. practice and spirituality. Um, Baptist this... at, at, at best, be, meaning um, a, a de-emphasis on, on, on the body and, and physicality yeah. and, um, and ritual and doing motions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where it's, it's, it's geared towards the mind, which, um, you know, if, if we were to be um, not undiplomatic, but um unkind we, we would say it's it's fairly um 
not Aryan, not Aryan, um, but Gnostic. Who says Gnostic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you, you can see that this this, this need to scratch that 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 very natural biblical itch, right? Like if you've ever read um, uh, Leviticus, you can see that this is this is how um, God provides for for cultic practices as as a way of mediation between I'm a holy God and a sinful man. And we've talked about that in the past, but um, let's say, let's not use the word cultic. Let's say ritualistic. I think yeah. cultic has a very particular meaning about like, well, I'm using it intentionally. Cult. I'm using it intentionally. Cult provocatively. Like the, yeah. The, 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 the sacrificial system and all that stuff. Um, well, here's what I mean. Here's what, what I say. What, you, what you're arguing for is, is ritualistic worship of like, um, rituals passed down from father to son yeah. um, from mother to daughter like yeah. um when you read the old testament when you, like read about the passover like that's yeah. what you're talking about of, of yeah. like marking the door of eating the meal of the bitter herbs and eating it with i don't know if it's with your loins girded but ready to run like ready to like run as soon as you've eaten this yeah meal. yeah so well i mean the the point of the point of the of, uh, the, the, the the ritual of the shema of not yeah. only saying this prayer but like um saying it ritualistically on your lying down you're waking yeah. up like teach it to your kids that stuff well the point of what you're describing the shema and passover is anamnesis right so a reenacting sure. that creates deeper memories right like the, that um in embeds that deep magic, that deep truth of God's intervention on behalf of his people um, in, in, in your hearts. Yeah. So when you reenact it, right, you, you, it becomes part of you, right? And that's, that's, we have that anamnesis at Holy Communion where we reenact the Last Supper in a certain way. Um, and there's also the point, the point is also mediation, right? That we have these mediating, these cleansing rituals. I mean, in the temple, you had the mikvah baths and, and so forth. Um, but we now have sacraments as, as mediating um, rituals between God and man. But here's what I'm saying. So um, most kind of um, big box uh, Christmas Eve services will not be services of Holy Communion um, for reasons that historical reasons that are understandable. And I'm not saying this in judgment, but it's just true, right? Um, but what I realized um, that, that just made up out of whole cloth, human creations, um, this ritual that, that at some point, I think, entered the evangelical brain as vital. Well, there are two of them for Christmas Eve services. One is there's this whole um, like uh, <laughs> cultic temple ritual around the- uh, Oh, yes, yes. Silent uh, night and the candles. The candles. The, um, Everyone well, has first of all, candle the candle and sing Silent Night, right? The Advent wreath. Right. Okay. So there, there are certain like Levitical priests that are like that certain family gets each week. Right. <laughs> and they say a thing right there. I, I, I didn't, I don't know what prayer book or where this is coming from, but like, there's this whole thing. You and I, we joked about like, when, when did we go in Advent from um, uh, sin, judgment, heaven, and hell <laughs> to right, uh, right. peace, joy, love, joy, love. peace. Yeah. yeah. Right? But like, this is um, part of the deep magic of Christmas for a lot of Americans now right? Is the lighting of the Advent wreath. It takes like a full five to sure. 10 minutes. Yeah. I, this yeah. has been off my radar because it's not in any right. prayer book. Right. But it's just interesting. There's to a watch. liturgy surrounding that. Oh which is, yes. Yeah. And then lastly, and again, this there, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not chortling at anybody, but because we do it too. Um, the silent night thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a lot of Americans, it's not Christmas or you did it wrong if you don't um, light the candles and pass the light of Christ around, right? Um, and, uh, and then turn the, turn the lights off and do Silent Night.
which is great. Why do people want that? Um, because we need uh, embodied rituals to get beyond, behind the defenses of our mind or the defenses of the mundane or the routine um, and, and teach our hearts, right? Um, and so the sensation of the hush, the candlelight, this, um, th that, that particular song of Silent Night um, with, with hushed instruments, um, that, that tells an important truth, right? That there was a moment when after the shepherds, after the, uh, after the birth pains, um, after the baby was washed off, surely Mary and Joseph held the infant child and marveled on that night. Um, and that must have been hushed and lovely. And, and, and we, you know, we like to dunk on Mary, did you know, right? I mean, of course, yeah, they, you know, read Luke 2, read the angel Gabriel, right? So mm. they know they're holding something special, special, right? And if you read Matthew, you know that um, Matthew had been told in a dream as well, like this child is of God. Saying, like, so they both, jo Joseph, Joseph I'm sorry, dream. Yes. forgive me. Yes. yes. Yeah. So what is, the, what is the point of that ritual? The point of that ritual is to teach the heart um, that which maybe the mind has forgotten, right? That, that something mm -hmm. truly magical happened with that infant child um, as, as the parents held them. So yeah, no, it's, I get it. It's just really interesting, isn't it? That even, even when we've scrubbed our churches of all um, liturgical practices, of all, as I keep saying, cultic ritual, um, the need for it um, erupts forth during our holiest evenings, right? Um, on, on Christmas Eve and, and, and Easter Sunday, which we can talk about another time. So I, I spent way too much time talking about that. But do you have, do you have any thoughts or observations about that? Anything to add? Uh, I don't think so. Now that I spoke way too long about Christmas, which is okay, because what season of the year is it, Christopher? Christmas. And next Sunday is? The second Sunday of Christmas. Should we talk about its gospel? Let's. gospel this week's gospel comes from luke chapter 2 verses 22 through 40 and when the time came for their purification according to the law of moses they brought him up to jerusalem to present him to the lord as it is written in the law of the lord every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of moses i'm sorry the law of the lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So uh, this episode, Kirk, is, is going to be a bit more freewheeling, as our dudes chatting portion indicated. <laughs> Uh, usually we, we talk for about eight to 10 minutes, at the beginning of, of kind of what's, what's happening this week, and then jump into the, the gospel text and then, um, and then move on to a theology or culture, uh, uh segment. But today we're, we're just, we're just, we're tearing up the, the model. Um, we're, we're, uh, breaking the mo- breaking the mold. We're doing all kinds of stuff, but so even our discussion of, of this passage is going to be a little bit more freewheeling. And um, so I want to point out just a few things to start us off. Um, one of them is, is just the way that Luke tells um, the story of Jesus uh, in comparison with the other gospel writers. You know, we, we love each of these distinct gospels for what they bring to the table. Uh, Luke, I love how Luke opens, um, how Luke uh, is the only one. Uh, Kirk, you, you taught, um, was it high school English? Or was it middle school English for a time? Middle school English. Yes. You've never taught it. Yeah. Um, you taught middle school English. Um, what do you teach your kids about writing? Uh, <laughs> I, you, I like, taught them many things, but what in particular? Uh, like How? if you're writing a paragraph or a, an, an essay, you need a- An introduction? An introduction, a topic <laughs> sentence. Like, what's the point of this? Kirk, do you, can you off the top of your head, do you remember what- uh, Luke is the only one who does this for us, at least the beginning. John, John tucks his at the end, um, you know, Jesus did many things, um, but um, I'm, he did many things that are not included in this gospel. I am telling you these so that you, that you may know that Jesus is the Christ and that you may, by believing in him, you may have life in his name is what yep. John, at the end, we get his kind of topic sentence, right? But uh, Luke gives us his topic sentence at the beginning of both of Luke Acts. and Acts. Yeah. yeah. We get both. Do, do you remember what the, what? Uh... Uh, he says what I am writing to you. Um, o- o- Theophilus. Yep. O- Theophilus. Um, that you might have an orderly account. Is that what he says? Yes. Yes. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like you've, it's interesting to think of uh, these first Christians who are um, coming to 
they're coming to know Christ, to worship Christ, to be a Christian, apart from having a Bible, right? <laughs> like, yeah. um, bef- like there was a time where there was no Bible as it was being written, as these gospels were being um, developed. And as like, be- certainly before the epistles were written and before, you know, John received his revelation, um, these first Christians uh, did not have an orderly account. And so, I mean, uh, Luke gives us uh, one of my favorite words in English translated in as much is <laughs> yes. In as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, um, pointing out, of course, that Luke was not an eyewitness, but had to um, interview eyewitnesses to develop this account. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught hmm. so before there was even a gospel of luke um there had been people who were taught about jesus and and uh luke's like uh let's let's put these things down in an orderly way so that new christians can can um be discipled be catechized and so um i love uh luke's approach um it's interesting we get uh it was interesting as i was preaching on jesus and john the baptist a couple of weeks ago um as i was thinking about that like i'm thinking about the I kind of envisioned um, how amazing Christmas was for the shepherds um, that, that the angel appeared to them in the sky. Kirk, what would that have been like? Like what would have been like to um, like the next night and the next night and the next night to like, go, go to the local watering hole um, and tell like, <laughs> and tell your friends, like guys, like the most crazy thing happened two weeks ago. Um, these angels came to us when we were in the fields and told us you'd be you'd be the born. guy who desperately wanted to tell your friends about the ufo you saw right but knew that instantly it would mark you as a lunatic like man well, i kind of want to tell you about this thing as the especially as the years passed yeah you know that jesus didn't begin his public ministry um I'm, I'm sure if they did tell those stories for years they probably became sheepish and be, even begin to wonder this baby like uh, i don't know did 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 herod get him right um uh who knows what went through their mind? Um, but, you know, Luke is the only gospel where, where we have um, much detail of things that happen really between um, the angels and the shepherds. Can and I just ask you, ask you a yeah. parenthetical question? So we get in Matthew, in the account of the Magi, mm-hmm. um, we get this, this comment that Matthew leaves, um, and Herod was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Mm. Like the arrival of the Magi seeking a king, would have caused a stir. Sure. I wonder if that. I wonder if that stir, all Jerusalem with him, would have included the shepherds. If maybe quietly, that would have been confirmation. I don't know. Perhaps. Yeah. Go ahead. Back to and, you. And so you pointed out the Magi in Matthew. Mm-hmm. So like in, in Matthew, we, we get the, the coming of the Magi later, not yeah. not on Christmas Day, later. Right. Um. And the, the uh, them uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus fleeing to to Egypt. Um. But that's the only account post birth we get yeah. there, and then. You know, in Mark, we don't get anything um, up until like John the Baptist. And then um, same, same thing with uh, John. But in Luke, we get uh, these couple of stories. Um, we get this one um, today. And then we get the one of Jesus being um, left in the temple. Yeah, like, for several like, uh, days. <laughs> yes. Like, and I love this. Like, it, it makes me feel great as a parent that like, <laughs> I've, you know, there've been times I'm not proud of as a parent, but I've never like lost my kid for like three days. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, if, if Meg and I are, are part, we, if we divide and conquer, 
Um, and we're like, I'm watching one kid and she's watching the other. Um, the thing that Meg always thinks is hilarious when she asks, like, text me and is like, Hey, uh, is Isaac with you? Um, and I'm like looking at him like, yeah, he's with me. And I text her back and I'm like, I thought he was with you. And she just, she thinks that's hilarious every single time I do that. Um, but you know, we, yeah. Are you being sarcastic? I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) um <laughs> like not once has she thought that was funny like it's like me trolling my wife i'm terrible uh because you know there's a momentary panic where I oh think yeah like, oh oh no wait, that's right he's kidding again okay right. I, I hate this joke this is the worst joke ever. Right. um but like, i do yeah, that like, all the time when she's like did you did you pick so-and-so up right and i'm like oh and this happened and I was, i'm always like i always text back oh crap and she's like don't do that <laughs> see it's hilarious every time right yes that's, every a, that's definitely story. a dad vein of humor right there <laughs> but anyhow back to back to but, more sacred things but but like this happened with mary and joseph right or presumably it's joseph but like um so to uh matthew or i'm sorry we're told jesus is is he nine or ten or i'm trying to think when i anyway like he's a young man um uh old enough and wise enough to converse with people in temple courts and, and Mary and Joseph actually legitimately do this. Like, I thought he was with you, but I thought like they were traveling (laughs) as a group and they assumed that he was, that Jesus was somewhere in the group and they are a full day's journey away. And they finally deduce that he is not in fact with them. And so they have to turn around, go a day's journey back to Jerusalem. And we're told that the the three days he, he was missing. So is that those, does that include those two days and then one day of just searching for him and they found him in his father's house in the temple? Okay, well, we have that story. Um, and then we have this one. Um, and so this one, uh, Jesus is a, a little over a month old. And according to the law, um, that they, they bring him uh, to Jerusalem, to the temple, um, to present him to the Lord as, as the law dictated. And here uh, we get an interesting detail about the family, yeah. of, uh, the, this holy family, Kirk. What, what's this detail? Um, they are not a family of means. That's right. Like they get the, 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 the poor person's way out Yeah. in terms of, uh, the, 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 the sacrifice for the and, firstborn. Yeah. 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 What we're, um, there's provision in, in the mosaic law for, for those who are not people of means and cannot afford a more, more costly, um, sacrifice. So we can see here that they're, they're poor people. They were not wealthy. Um, and then we're told about, um, Simeon, this man. And this, Kirk, this story is, I think, a profound lesson in many things, a pro- profound lesson in waiting, in, in faith. And we're, we're going to come back to this later uh, in this episode um, as we talk about uh, 2021 in review, as we talk about certain characters, um, about people whose faithful lives of waiting, of patience, of, of what does it look like um, to live in expectation of God working in this world, but also um, in, a, in an evil age um, when evil triumphs. And there is like an, uh, there's a holy impatience with the world as it is, as we pray for things, for God's salvation to come. Uh, that's what I see, Kirk, in Simeon, a, a, a righteous man who is waiting for the consolation of Israel. When we think about this, that he was uh, overjoyed not at the salvation of Israel in any uh, real sense. Um, he was overjoyed in the promise of God. Mm. 
Um, and just like we talked about Mary in the Magnificat of, of talking about these things, about God, like, casting down the proud and exalting the humble Kirk, um, how she, did we talk about this or did I just preach on this? Um, she talks about these things as if they are a done deal. Yeah. Like, the tense that she uses is as if that they are accomplished in, not, not even in the incarnation, in, in her pregnancy, um, she says. And here in the incarnation, in this drooling um baby in this poopy baby in this baby who uh is is his cognitive uh faculties are quite low because he's a newborn um simeon is overjoyed knowing that he has seen the consolation of israel um in this baby not in the throwing down the the literal like i have seen the casting down of the mighty but but in the incarnation like uh the spirit it says is on him and has kind of we think about what it means to have like Christian maturity or Christian wisdom, or just like the spirit, um, just infusing our minds and under and seeing the world in a particular way. Um, we have to pray, um, for this faith, Kirk, um, this faith that Simeon had that, uh, as he sees this baby, as this baby is, is handed to him, that he has the satisfaction of seeing the consolation of Israel, that, that, um, as if it's a done deal um, in this little baby. It's amazing, Kirk. It's amazing. I agree. And I feel like I, I've said like plenty. I, I need to give you a chance to, to speak. I, I know I've only spoken on the first uh, half of this passage, but I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, so the, the song of Simeon, the thing that he sings, right? And yes. most Bibles, most Bibles show it in verse form, right? They make it look like a poem. Um, which, oh, seminarian, oh, clergy that attended seminary, and um, what is that usually a reliable indication that um, it's it's versified in in Greek or in Hebrew when we see it that way in our translation? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, Kirk. Okay, I mean it's interesting. The Song of Mary, Magnificat. Nowhere does it. It doesn't say. It, you know, it's interesting. The text says Mary said. But right. it's always called, it's referred to as a song. Did she sing it? Did she say it? Um, you know, it's, right. it's, it's like, it's, it's, it seems modeled after Hannah's song and yeah. it seems like it's in verse form, but you know, I don't know. Kurt. So there's, but there's, there's something poetic, even if, even, I, I guess it's, it is poetic. It is by nature poetic in that it is compact. Um, it, it has imagery and poetic device. It has this climax. Um, and, this is used, Christopher, in, in our tradition, uh, in, at Evensong, um, there, there are two canticles. Um, there, there's a rhythm of, uh, God, of, of lesson, Old Testament lesson, and then the Magnificat, New Testament lesson, and then this, the Song of Simeon. And then after the Song of Simeon is creed and the prayers, and that's the end of, end of the even, even, evening prayer. Um, this also has been used in other ways, um, liturgically that I'm fascinated by John Calvin. I think it was in a Strasbourg liturgy for Holy Communion. He had, he had throughout the course of his life, he, he wrote several different communion liturgies, but, but he had this as the post communion canticle, mm. right? The thing that the congregation sang after communion. Mm. Wow. And I've always been struck by that because Simeon held his redemption in his hands yeah. <laughs> and said, for my eyes have seen your salvation you have prepared mm. in the presence of all people i see where you're going yeah <laughs> and uh, imagine after after partaking of holy communion if we as as a people 
as redeemed people said, um, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Um, and, and you say, Lord, may we have that faith. Um, there is provision for us, Christopher. <laughs> we yes, are given an opportunity to have the same. To hold this... in our hands our yes. salvation. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So I think of that sometimes um, uh, during, during your after communion. Um, so there's that. There's also uh, uh, the prophecy, which I think sometimes is overlooked because of the loveliness of his little, um, right. his, his poem. Which is he gives her a blessing and is, and is like, oh, by the way, a <laughs> sword is going to pierce your soul. Yeah, it's funny that's a, that's part of his blessing, right? <laughs> yeah, um, but that's become a lovely uh, to me um, a poignant part of uh, Western Christian art. Um, you'll see Mary um, sometimes with like a sword. She'll um, she'll be you know have a have a holy transfixed sure. look on her face, and then there'll also be like a sword through her. Yeah. As a as a reminder, kind of devotionally, maybe. Mm. Usually this is often in churches, right? Um, usually it'll be in, um, sometimes it's called the lady chapel, right? The side chapel. Um, there, there became this, this pattern. Um, it was it's sort of uh, architectural mania in the 15th century in England and Western Europe to build side chapels in the transepts of churches. And they were called lady chapels because they'd be dedicated to Mary. And so oftentimes there'd be a statue of her for people to kind of pray devotionally um, and, and kind of gaze upon. And I'll tell you what, like, uh, for I, I, literate or illiterate, that would be, um, not would be, it has been for me praying in a lady chapel, um, uh, a, a helpful way of entering into kind of what, um, what would she, what would, what would have been her thoughts and prayers as she watched her child grow, <laughs> right? So, I mean, we have her pondering all these things, the, the angels and the shepherds and Gabriel, but then there's also this, this prophecy from Simeon, a sword will pierce your own soul also. So I, that, I, I, I often note that as, as this yeah, I mean, passage Kirk, comes past. You know, as much as we want the incarnation, as we think about it, um, we, want to, we want to detach it um, from good friday and easter to just behold the miracle of the incarnation like because yeah. it, it becomes domesticated we become too accustomed to it this idea that you know all these things that ought to be shocking to us a virgin birth um right. the good news going out to the shepherds first um god being born as a man becoming incarnate like all these you know all these things are, are really remarkable um and we don't want to just point to like jesus the incarnation and its benefits to us because of what's going to happen in Good Friday and Easter. Uh, we want to detach those things. However, there is the specter that's kind of looming in the background, this sword that will pierce the heart um, here in this Christmas season where we have this reading and we have these three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah. Myrrh being um, an embalming oil. Like this gift of myrrh is an interesting gift that like uh, was – was a uh, you know as as we saw the the women go out uh, on the first day of the week expecting to find Jesus' dead body, um, they were going to go. I'm going to pack it with myrrh. Myrrh is is a very expensive but Im essential embalming um, substance that they used, and um, so even at his birth, um, as we have these uh, wise men from the east show up, um, they're they're bringing kind of this uh, embalming oil, which is bit of a downer when we consider you know the death yeah. and birth are are kind of collapsed together yeah 
any any final thoughts on this, Christopher? Let's move on. For our culture segment today, we just want to do a brief um, retrospective of 2021 um, from a Christian or for Christians, I guess. Uh, I've, I, I love um, movies and I love good TV shows. And there are so many uh, interesting articles that are written this time of year um, in the kind of the week before New Year's. Uh, doing a retrospective of uh, 10 best movies of the year. 10 best movies of the year. Year in review, right? Best books. Yeah, or um, uh, notable passings, right? 10 Um, best uh, podcasts hosted by a priest and a a musician, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we have to at least be number 13 on that list. So, but uh, we wanted to do uh, that same thing, but talk about um, how... What, what has this year been for Christians and particular for and how does how and how ought to Christians look back on, on a yeah. year like 2021? Yeah. Yep. So, so I had sketched some things and, uh, and I, I know that you have some thoughts, so let's just, let's just dive in. Um, the first thing that I, that I had sketched Christopher is public worship. I think 2021 was the year in which Christians realized, I think largely if we, uh, we, we need to, we need to save lives and be prudent and be, be uh, wise as foxes, but, but yet we can never again close things down. Um, and uh, I, I just, I, I think that that's kind of everywhere across um, churchmanship, um, high church, low church, left, right. I think there's the sense that, um, that, that we are people who gather and um, uh, if we can't gather, um, um, we will, we will, we will diminish both in numbers and in health. And so I think pub- public worship is, I think we'll look back at 2021 as, as clarifying in, in that regard. That was the first thing. Public that worship I'd is integral. Down. Yeah. And we can have a, a, a brief season where, um, we are dispersed, but, um, yeah, it's, it's integral. Yeah. Um, I, I think almost every church I know people I've talked to, um, there's no shame. I think at this point, everyone realizes that, that they took a hit in terms of numbers and membership and were diminished and people, there are people that consider themselves, um, practicing Christians and, and, and maybe in some ways do still, but yet are no longer churchgoers because of, um, the way churches shut down in 2020. And, and that is, I mean, that's, Which, me, that's go ahead. That's, that's kind of strange to say, 
oh, I'm, I'm so upset that the church shut down and, and is not meeting that I'm going to quit the church. Like that's, that's a little interesting. Yeah. Right? I don't know that. Right. Right. I don't know that that's how the logic goes. I, it's, I mean, it's ha- habits and patterns of the heart aren't necessarily rational. Sure. Right. Okay. Um, so, I mean, but let's be frank, right. This is um, a matter of life and death of eternal salvation. So if we, um, if we are hospitals for, for souls, um, we need to be, we need to be open. Um, the next, the next name that I had written down was Thomas McKenzie. Mm. Um, Christopher uh, Thomas McKenzie was a, a, a dynamic um, writer and pastor in our own church body, the Anglican Church in North America. Um, was he 50? I think he was 50 this year. Um, and he died. Uh, he, he was going to go on a sabbatical. And I think he was, uh, he was, was what, Kirk, driving Kirk, his child to the was, airport? Yeah. No. <laughs> go ahead. Tell the story. It was heartbreaking um, because uh, he's a public figure who um, had been tweeting uh, excitement about his upcoming sabbatical, a sabbatical that was going to include, uh, I think, walking some of the um, Camino de Santiago in Spain. I think he was going to do um, um, spend some time in England doing some studying. Um, but it was going to start by uh, driving his daughter to uh, St. John's College in Santa Fe from, from his home in Nashville and just I, miles, I don't know, an hour or two in, into their drive, um, they got in a, a fatal car crash. Um, and so this guy that, that um, you know, I've, I've, I've read his books, I've read his essays, I've read, you know, uh, Kirk, yes, dy- dynamic, uh, influential, winsome, uh, kind, um, uh, died. Um, you know, tragically in, in a way that like made me profoundly sad as, as like, um, one of his books, uh, at church, um, many people have read that book and we're going to start a book study on it in January. And like, that's kind mm. of part of, part of like, there's no way of detaching it from, from his tragic ending of, of dying in a car crash. And yeah. And, uh, you know, my, the church that I'm pastor of is called church of the resurrection. And if you've ever attended an Anglican funeral, um, it is a uh, death is bad. It's painful. It is bad. It's not part of God's original design, but our service, our, our, our funerals, our services of, of, of resurrection um, through and through um, it, the, the Paschal candle, which is an Easter um, yes. symbol that comes out during the Easter season and at funerals. Um, and uh, th- th- that comes out in, in the, the first words, Kirk, are a quote from uh, the gospel of John. I am the, I resurrection, am the resurrection and the life. And life. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thomas, I have to think that in most Anglican churches in North America, there are, there are people there because they read his book. Oh yeah, um, for it, sure. It, it turned, it, like it, it is a remarkable bridge for um, American evangelicals having sort of being red pilled and realizing there's got to be more than this auditorium I'm in. Right. Um, and he had, sure. he, he provided like a really helpful on-ramp um, for it to, to kind of historic liturgical Christianity. Yeah. Certainly for this generation. Yeah. Last generation, it was, uh, why is his name? Uh, Evangelicals in the Canterbury trail. What was that? Um, Robert Weber. I think, um, and, and Mackenzie, and since we've mentioned the book, we should name it. It's called The Anglican Way. Um, I know we have many listeners who are not Anglican. Um, that's why I didn't mention it. But like um, his way of explaining Anglicanism and, and 
absolutely um, uh, was something that 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 helped uh, kind of throw open the doors and welcome many people in yes. um, to and, and find a home in, in the Anglican Church. So, yeah. Uh, the ne- the next uh, name I wanted to mark was Colin Powell, um, who died on October eighteenth, Christopher, and only uh, only reading obituaries did I realize that he was a devout uh, Christian and a fellow Anglican. Um, his parents were immigrants um, from Jamaica and uh, they moved to the Bronx and uh, they attended uh, St. Margaret's Episcopal Church there. And he was an acolyte, an altar boy and an acolyte while he was there. And, um, and uh, I'm trying, trying to find the quote, I'm not gonna find it now. Um, but he said that um, that uh, that he it, it provided him with a sense of closeness to God, um, mm. and uh, and he uh, his children as well um, uh, followed in the same same footsteps. Um, let me see uh, what else. His funeral was at the National Cathedral, and uh, oh yes, um, just as he had wanted it, he said he had attended kind of. Um, uh, 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 we you, you just mentioned funerals, Christopher, um, mm. how. How funerals are, um, are are honest about death and honest about sadness and suffering, and and also for believers are are um, are, are an Easter. It is Easter for for mm-hmm. our deceased, right? It is mm-hmm. Easter for Thomas McKenzie now, and it is Easter for Colin Powell. Well, he had a request. Um, he had his funeral. Um, everything laid out because he had been several years before at a funeral. There was sort of like one of those celebrations of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was sort yeah. of tried to tried to avoid talking about death and talking about um that this is the the path that we are all on but fortunately we have hope um because of christ's resurrection as the down payment for our own um and so he he made certain that he had a profoundly christian funeral in that way um so i i thought that was um i thought that was neat and important and a reminder that there are a bunch of people who are um who are quietly faithful christians that you may not know who serve faithful as faithful servants mm. in public life, um, and and just because we don't know it doesn't mean that they're not there. So that was reassuring to me as well. Um, from from kind of marking um, Christian deaths, um, let's go on to marking lots of Christian deaths. Uh, um, uh, martyrdom in Africa uh, increased in 2021 in a way that we've never seen in our lifetime, Christopher. Um, I came across this article this summer and it was haunting. Um, in the first 200 days in, in 2021, 3,400 Nigerian Christians were martyred. Um, and by martyred, I mean killed for their faith, right? By Boko yeah. Haram or other militant Islamic groups. Um, it's just a reminder that um, we live in an era of martyrdom, um, even if we're not currently in, in a pocket um, right now. Uh, I, I've been blessed with a friend in my life who's, who the way he does um, when we pray, when we, when we pray together, um, the way he does prayer is he, he will always spend time to pray. He's sort of plugged in to kind of different communities um, within the church. Um, he'll spend time praying for different persecuted pockets. And that's affected me. So we should, we should continue to pray and give thanks for the, for the joyful witness of, of martyrs as well in the persecuted church thoughts, Christopher. Um, 
I mean, there, there is something mysterious, Kirk, about um, how we pray. <laughs> we pray for God's will to be done on earth. Um, we, um, we pray for material circumstances to be better. Um, and yet uh, God is uh, sovereign over all things, even over martyrdom and persecution. And just as you and I pray, Kirk, for um, life circumstances, for when when things make us um, sad, angry, and sad sad is maybe a, a, a inadequate word to t- talk about, like the profound things that tug at our hearts, even as we are um, safe <laughs> and prosperous um, comparatively. Um, uh, there's still people who who suffer, who are persecuted, and who die uh, for their faith, and have the same prayers as us. And there's something mysterious in God's sovereignty um, over all of these things, over you and me. Um, and it's profoundly unfair that we have better circumstances than those who don't, who lack access to to clean water, to medical care, and uh, die for for professing the same faith that we profess um, as they uh, pray for uh, freedom from persecution and safety. And um, I, I don't have anything profound to say about that other than like that, that is the Christian life of, of mystery um, of, of um, ultimately the fact that you and I are named Christ's own that in itself is mysterious. Um, right. And, and, and a grace. And um, so all other things are, are, are pure grace as well. That, that they're pure gifts from God, um, both salvation, um, prosperity, um, um, freedom from, uh, despite living in a prosperous nation, uh, there, there are truly um, terrible things that could befall uh, many Christians, abuse, um, trauma, all kinds of things. And, um, and so we pray for the persecuted Kirk. Um, we pray for them regularly and we pray for God um, to, to spare them. And, um, and yet uh, the early Christians were martyrs. And, and this word martyr is literally means witnesses. Um, their faithfulness in the face of per- persecution, their unwillingness to say the one thing that would save their lives, to say, I recant my Christianity, um, is, is a witness to, to us, um, to the rest of the world, and certainly to those um, in 2021 who lost their lives because of their Christian faith. Yeah. And uh, and I, I, I apologize, I went out of order, but we get to stay in Africa. Yeah. Um, on December 26th this year, a, uh, a giant of the Christian faith and a giant in Anglicanism died, Desmond Tutu. Um, He was a South African Anglican cleric um, who received in 1984, the Nobel Peace Prize for his fight against apartheid in South Africa. Apartheid is an Afrikaans word that means apartness or separation. It was just, um, it's, it's, Largely, no, I, I, I don't want to analogize it to what to Jim Crow laws in the South. It was, I, my understanding, it was far worse. Um, yeah, it was, he yes. was uh, appointed the first dean of St. Mary's Cathedral in Johannesburg in 1975 and um, became in 1986 the Archbishop of Cape Town, which is the primate of all South Africa, um, uh, the Anglican Church there. And uh, I, I remember reading um, over the last week, as, as everybody's been writing about him, um, he said, I pray for Andrew de Klerk every day of my life. Um, and Andrew de Klerk was the, um, the, uh, the president of South Africa, the last apartheid president, um, the white uh, Dutch 
or Afrikaans um, president. And um, he, President, uh, not President, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, um, after the collapse of the apartheid regime and after it became, uh, after it moved towards democracy in the 1990s, he pushed for and got something called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, um, which sounds to my ears like some <laughs> hippy dippy garbage. Um, and he made sure that it was actually profoundly Christian. Um, the whole point wasn't um, like the Nuremberg trials, right? right when we, right. when we, the American government, um, wanted to figure out what, <laughs> you know, what what the heck was going on with Nazi Germany, and um, we ended up like trying people, finding them guilty, and putting them to death, right? Um, but the the, and it wasn't it wasn't perfect. But um, my understanding is the Truth and Reconciliation actually has led to um, some real reconciliation, some real racial healing. Um, uh, he, he wanted a, a Christian outcome, which instead of justice, as in people getting their just desserts, mm. um, he wanted mercy. He wanted mm. healing. Um, and as we know in America, um, racial mm. healing can take a while and it can be a long and winding road. And my understanding is South Africa is not done yet. Um, and their path is different than ours because their country is different than ours. Um, but he was a Christian witness for long-suffering, um, winsomely, cheerfully, with good Christian cheer, for the truth that all humans are equal in the sight of God and worthy of the same justice and equal rights under the law, and um, that you should not seek uh, seek the um, the misery of your enemies once you have the right. whip hand. And right. we should all, which is interesting in America, Kurt. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. We should all, yes, we should all learn that lesson. It's, it's interesting. The biblical idea of, of grace and mercy or these ideas um, are the only things that can lead to healing where what we often see in human history. And especially in this country is, is when the marginalized do finally come to places of power, um, they become just as cruel and vindictive as yes. the ones who persecuted them. And that would have been easy, easy. Um, uh, for, for black uh, South Africans to do that. Like once they got equality um, to really punish those who had persecuted them, that's not what the Bible tells us to do. Um, and, and, and with that alternate um, guiding light, um, that's the only hope of, of um, no, no one has ever learned their lesson through, um, uh, you know, through punishment, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's not a thing. Yes. Uh, as, as we point to, you know, World War One and, and the unfairly fairly punitive, uh, you know, uh, tr treaty uh, kind of leading to the, the kind of vacuum right. that that allowed Hitler to rise and find scapegoats. And yeah. right. So history points to that, that, um, that sense of justice being a failure. Yeah. Yep. Um, also, I think it's important in 2021 to to. Um, look at uh, the uh, Taliban reclaim of Afghanistan and um, mark that somewhere between 10,000 and 12,000 Christians have gone dark. Um, we don't know where they are. It's hard to find them. And um, so uh, that, that too is a, um, a Christian news story um, and something that we need to keep probably in our, in our, in our prayers um, in our thoughts, it's, it's weird. There's this, this has been something I care deeply about is, and this is, there's some overlap here between a political 
story and a um and a in a religious story um but but um just to to not to not even to have to talk about the politics um to just talk about the religious side uh for a moment christopher um there's not much to say because we don't know where they are now <laughs> we don't know how to help them how to access them uh i i read one news story that said flippantly they've essentially all turned their phones off <laughs> um it's hard it's hard to know kind of what how how we can help them but i think it's important to not let them go down the memory hole as um the taliban take over afghanistan i don't, I don't know there's not much more to say about that right no and no. the last thing i had written down is um christians our entire life christopher um have been uh praying for um the uh oh, what should we say um the praying for the the the, the end I, this is the funny thing right this is the dog that caught the car praying for the end of the abortion regime in the united states yeah. and suddenly it may be upon us <laughs> this is a major christian news story now um the decision will be will be um made public in 2022 but certainly the supreme court hearing um the the, the mississippi challenge to roe versus wade in 2021 is a major kind of christian development um and i don't know are we ready for for what comes next if um if abortion if the roe v wade legal regime is overturned i think we need to be we need to be prayerful and think about what our next step is in um, loving the unloved, protecting the vulnerable, and those who have the, no voice. And that's, that's what um, opposition to abortion always was, right? In its best forms, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you've never, uh, if, if you are a Christian who has um, never uh, given a lot of thought to um, the, the really unfortunate circumstance, um, unfortunate circumstances that might lead a young woman to feel like abortion is her only option. Um, I, I think um, it's, it's really incumbent on us who have fought for justice for the unborn um, and fought and prayed uh, for that um, to, to truly serve um, young women who uh, feel like they have no option, no uh, choice, but to um, abort their, their uh, unborn children. And so, there's some really obvious answers to that, and that's donating time and in in money um, to crisis pregnancy centers um, to to make it possible for for these women, and and more than anything, as the church, um, let's love, um, let's love uh, expectant mothers better, um, especially mm. those um, those who have conceived out of wedlock. Um, the, the goal is not to punish them or to make them feel, um, make make them. Uh, painfully aware of their sin um like we can do that ultimately like it's god who, who ought to convict them of their sin and we've erred so much on the side of of um rejecting these women for for, for their sin that um that, that they've sought out abortion as as like well i i clearly cannot bring this sin to the community and, and receive help. Um, so I'm going to quietly go in and um, end the life of this unborn child. And that's, that's a tragedy. And, and that's, that's something that the church needs to get better. Do you, um, I'm trying to think, was I'm trying to think of the name of the movie, the, the Charlton Heston, uh, Soylent Green is people, was it just called Soylent Green? 
Yeah. Right. So um, 2022 is the year that that, yes. that movie yeah. depicts is 2022. Yeah. And I think it begins with um, New York City, where the population is 40 million people. Right. Um, for most of the Roe regime, there was just this sense that people were a fungus that was growing um, and was going to overtake the earth and cause us ultimately to run out of resources, to run out of um, food, uh, to pollute our environs. And here we are at 2022 and 22, the population of New York is kind of a steady seven, eight million people. New York City actually has lost. I think 600,000 people in the last 18 months for understandable reasons. No one wants to live stacked up on top of each other in, the pand- in a pandemic. Um, it only th- think, the only thing we seem to have a, um, too few of is babies. <laughs> it's a hud. I, I think for much of this regime, we, we had, I think people were sort of making a utilitarian calculation that it was probably good to be calling the population at the margins because how were we going to handle all these children anyway? Well, here we are with birth rates at 1.6, population flattening. flattening. Um, we, uh, all of our retirement account, like Social Security, is um, going to go bankrupt. <laughs> um, we have a, a worker shortage, right? Amazon can't deliver because there are no drivers and nobody can work at... Um, it's funny. Um, hopefully we Christians had never forgotten that people are always an asset. Children are always a net good. They're no matter, um, in what circumstances of their birth. And especially we should, I, I, I don't mean to kind of go into a hippie, little hippie sermon here, but like, <laughs> um, we mark in during Christmas tide, uh, a, a, an unwed couple about to give birth um, f- away from their home <laughs> in a whatever, a cattle stall, wherever they were, they were giving birth um, to, to, a, to a poor child. Um, children are always a net good. And um, so uh, this is, this is a, a happy thought that potentially um, this legal regime could end. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want that, to that was um, that was that was my list yeah and we've gone long and i uh i i monopolized with my list and i apologize for that it's a good list kirk shall we pray let's pray the lord be with you and with your spirit let us pray oh god who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature Grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us who know you now by faith to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, 
next year. Next year. Yeah.